You may be seated, those of you who are standing here in person. Our scripture this morning comes out of the Gospel of Matthew. Yet again, we are completing our sermon series today on the Sermon on the Mount. And so today will be uh, the last, at least for a while, that I'll be preaching out of the Sermon on the Mount. Our scripture this morning comes out of Matthew chapter 7, verses 12 through 14. And Gavin is going to be reading our scripture for us this morning. Over the years of being a pastor, one of my great joys has been giving people an opportunity to read scripture and to pray during a worship service. I I see lots of churches that it's only the clergy or the paid staff that speak uh, from the stage or from the front. And it's been my joy over the years to give that opportunity to lots and lots of people. And one of the greatest joys of my life is to see our youth and children to step up. And so today, Gavin is going to be reading our scripture for us this morning. So in everything you do, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only few find it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, pour out your spirit upon this, your word, and make it be for us the word of life that we might be people of life. And now, God, hide me behind your cross that your message of love and grace might shine through for the redemption of the world through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Be nice. That's what my mama taught me when I was a little boy. Be nice. And it was an important lesson, and I learned that lesson for the most part, when I was a young boy. Many, many, of, I, I've, many of you have heard me talk about how good of a kid I was uh, and don't believe everything that my wife says about me, don't believe all my friends, uh, believe what my mama says about me. She says I was a good boy, and I was for the most part. I was for the most part. I was a, I was a nice boy. That's what I was. I was a nice kid. I, I obeyed my, my teachers. I, 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 you, I, you, I may have said it before. I, I remember two times when I was growing up in school, two times that I ever had a teacher get on to me, ever get on to me. Uh, once I was, in the, uh, I, I was in the first grade, the next time I was in the fourth grade, and I never, well, I, get, I take that back one other time when I was a sophomore in high school. But there, so there were three times I ever remember being gotten onto by a teacher. I was a nice boy. I was a nice guy. And, 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 and that's important. That's important. Being nice is, is important. I've, I've spent I've spent teaching that lesson to my own children over the years, how to be a, a nice person. That's been, that's been one of my goals as a, as, a, as a dad, to teach my kids to be nice people. And that's a lesson that, to be honest, over the years of being a pastor, I've had some church folks that needed to learn that, that lesson. They needed, they needed to be nice. I look at, at some of your Facebook uh, profiles, and I see some of our Facebook friends that we have, and I just want to say, be nice, be nice. It seems like being nice has, has not, it's not part of our culture anymore, is it? I, I've, I've, been, I've been absolutely fascinated to watch a people's response to some of our, uh, uh, some of our community leaders 
Uh, just this past week, I was, I, I, I'm, I'm on social media, uh, not a whole lot. I mean, I don't post a lot. I, I creep a lot. That's mainly what I do. And so I, I, I watch, um, you know, especially Twitter. Twitter's kind of my thing. It's where I get my news. I, I, I subscribe to a number of news outlets. And so that's where, that's where I get my news typically and the information, especially on sports and things like that. So this past week, I was looking at uh, Mayor Holt's declaration and some of the things that he was saying that how much the, the curve is starting to uh, decline pretty dramatically over the last four or five days after a, an incredible increase. And so I've been watching what uh, Mayor Holt has been saying. And so he had some real positive things to say about um, the number of cases that we're having in Oklahoma City and, and the things that we need to be doing. Um, again, they, they have I mean, some of you have, have seen what, I, what Mayor Holt said, that there are uh, the serious seven, serious seven activities uh, that if, we are, if we're engaging in those activities, that we're, we're putting ourselves at risk. And, and religious um, worship services or religious activities is included in that list. Now, that, that strikes me as, oh, boy, oh, what's the mayor saying? But then he went on to say, he said, however, if you keep your social distance, if you wash your hands, and if you wear a mask, you can be engaged in those kinds of activities. And again, there were seven of those activities, and I really felt like it was well thought out. I thought it was well, well presented as well. And so I, I got on Twitter, and um, I, I disobeyed one of the rules that I have on Twitter, which is never read the comments. Well, I read the comments. <laughs> and the, ki- the kind of vitriolic responses from both ends of the spectrum about this man who is just simply trying to lead as best as he can in an unprecedented time. People have become not nice, not just on Twitter, but I see it on Facebook. I see it even, even on even on Instagram. I mean, Instagram is the, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the land of, of, of rainbows and, and unicorns. I mean, this is but even on Instagram, even on Instagram, we're, we're beginning to see vitriolic speech. We've become less nice as a culture. Today, we're completing our sermon series dealing with the greatest sermon ever, and that was the sermon of, of Jesus, what we know in Matthew's gospel as the Sermon on the Mount. This is the largest block of teaching that we have, of Jesus' teaching that we have in the Bible, and we have seen some of the really, some of the transforming kinds of things that Jesus has said. He turned everything upside down. He gave clarity to the law. He gave clarity to what his followers are to be about. And remember, he is talking primarily to his closest followers. He is talking to those who have, who have committed to being his followers, and so this really has been, this really has been, I think, um, uh, I mean, God in His provenient grace, He, he planned this out for, for me because I know that uh, primarily over the last three months, I've been, I've been preaching to His followers. I've been preaching to Christ followers. We have not been having guests typically join us all that much outside for at the very, very beginning of our online worship. And so I know that, that the message that, uh, that Jesus is saying to his closest followers is being heard by his closest followers here at First Church. What Jesus said in, 
in this passage known as the golden rule is much more than be nice. That's how many of us interpret what Jesus said. Be nice. We think that, that well, Christianity is some sort of moralistic kind of teaching. We've turned our faith into Christian moralism. What Jesus is talking about is not a moralistic, therapeutic deism that is, that is so prevalent in today's time. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that terminology. Therapeutic or moralistic therapeutic deism. It was, it was uh, that, that phrase was first coined in a book in 2005 to describe what our current religious, um, religious state is in the West. The authors uh, propose that there is a moralistic therapeutic deism that is prevalent in today's time. It's a belief system that is based upon these five precepts, and see if this sounds familiar to our culture. The first is that there is a God who exists, and that God who exists created order, and, and uh, he, he created, excuse me, a God who exists who created order and watches over human life on earth. And so there is a God who exists, and, and he created some sort of order, and somehow he watches over that world. Two, God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. Three, the central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. Number four, God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when God is needed to resolve a problem. And then, fine, and then finally, five, good people go to heaven when they die. And so the authors propose that this moralistic, therapeutic deism is what most people in most spiritual people in the United States and in the West believe. That there is some sort of God up there. He wants us to be nice, and nice people go to heaven. That's not what Jesus says. It's not what Jesus says at all. This passage, this passage, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also unto them, for this is the law and the prophets. This is the most universally famous thing that Jesus ever said. William Barclay, the great commentator, said this is, he calls this the Everest of ethics. This is the pinnacle of what we are to be about as Christians. There are a couple of things that I want you to note as we look at this passage. First, first, it begins with the word so. Or, in some translations, it begins with the word therefore. Many of them, however, use the word so. So, or therefore, it's a basic Bible study tool. When you see the word therefore, you ask what it's there for. <laughs> meaning, meaning when, when there is a connecting word like so or therefore, we are we are assured then that what follows is deeply connected to what just occurred or what was just said. 
And so Jesus is, has just completed uh, that teaching that I preached on a few weeks ago, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, because the Lord is good, because the Lord gives you good gifts, because the Lord gives you every good gift that you need. He doesn't always give you what you want. He doesn't always give you what you ask for, but he gives us good things. Even when we ask for a scorpion, even when we ask for a stone, the Lord, the, the Lord gives us good gifts. Because of that then, therefore, because God is good, therefore, do to others as you would have them do unto you. This is deeply, deeply connected to our faith in a good God. This is not some sort of Christian moralism. This is not some sort of uh, life skill. This is not some sort of uh, motto that we should simply live by. No, this is based deeply, deeply in our faith of a loving God. Because God is so generous to us, we are to be lavishly generous to others. The golden rule is a glorious overflow of the love of God in, in our lives into the lives of others. Did you get that? The golden rule is a, is a generous overflow of the love of God from our life into the life of others. It's more than just being nice. This is deeply, deeply, deeply spiritual. Second point that I want us to notice this morning is that this, the golden rule is stated positively. Almost every great religion has a similar teaching. Almost every single great religion has a similar teaching, but in every single instance, this teaching is, um, is stated negatively. Hillel, a famous Jewish teacher, said, What is hateful to yourself, do not do to others. This is the whole law. The rest is commentary. What is hateful to yourself, do not do to others. In Tobit, an apocryphal Old Testament book in the Bible, it says, What thou thyself hate to no man do. Again, stated negatively. This negative form is one of the basic uh, principles of Confucius. See tongue asked him, Is there one word which may serve as a rule of practice for all of one's life? Confucius said, Is not reprocip... I'm going to say it right here in a minute. Reciprocity, such a word, what you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. Again, stated negatively. The negative sense is not anything particular, however. 
It's not particularly special. It's not particularly religious at all. It's just a refrain from doing what you don't want, want others to do to you. Now, again, it's easy to refrain from something. It's way easier to refrain from someone. It's, it's a it's common sense rule. It's a simply, again, a refrain from doing certain things. And again, it's not, it's not difficult to refrain from doing something, not injuring another person. Just simply not injuring another person, that's not real difficult to do. You can break this rule by simply inaction. If a person never does anything, they've kept that rule. Don't injure others. Don't do harm to others. If you just simply sit around and do nothing, you've obeyed that rule. You know who obeyed that rule, stated negatively? The Levite and the priest in the story of the Good Samaritan. You, I think you probably remember that story. You remember that story? A man came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, you know the law and the prophets. The man said, well, I've done all of those. I mean, I've, I've, I know what it's like to love my neighbor as myself. And so then he wanted to justify himself further. He asked Jesus, so who is my neighbor? And Jesus told this story. There was a man who was going from uh, on a very, very dangerous road. It's known as the bloody way, even today. You do not go on that road by yourself. You absolutely do not. It's even today, it's infamous for the thieves that are, uh, that are laying in wait in all of the hilly country that is l- alongside this road. There are lots of blind curves on, on that road. Well, sure enough, the man was there by himself, and he fell among thieves, and the thieves beat him up, and they took everything he had, and they left him for dead alongside the road. And along came a a priest, and the priest obeyed that rule. He avoided doing anything. He obeyed the rule, stated negatively. He saw the man, he simply walked along on the other side of the road and left him for dead. The Levite came along, and he did the exact same thing. They obeyed that rule stated negatively. But Jesus states it positively. We must actively do what we would have others do to us. You know who obeyed that command? It was the Samaritan the hated enemy of that Jewish man who was left for dead there alongside the road. He was the one who did to that Jewish man what he would wish that Jewish man would do unto him, his hated enemy. You see, when Jesus says, do to others as you would have them do unto you, treat others as you would like them to, to treat you, he is saying that we must have an active faith. This is love lived out. This is not an inactivity. This is not washing our hands of the world and saying, well, the world is lost. I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to watch it burn. No, this means that we are to be engaged in the life of this world. We are to, we are to be people who are spreading the love of God abound in our world. It's one thing to say, I must not injure people I must not do to them what I would object them doing to me. That the law can compel us to do. I mean, that's what the law is about. 
but it's quite another thing to say, I must go out of my way to help other people and to be kind to them as I would wish them to help and to be kind to me. That only love can compel us to do. You see, if we just simply refrain from harming people, we can keep the law by doing that. It doesn't take love to do that. It takes love to engage in others, to see people in need, and to, and to, and to, and, and to offer them the very hand of God into their lives. It was only the Samaritan that abided by that golden rule. I think because our culture has become so not nice, I think when we as Christians live by this faith-filled rule, this golden rule, this rule that comes from the very love of God in our hearts, when we begin to live this way, again, because our culture has become so not nice, then we will begin to be the salt and the light into this world. I don't think we have to walk, I don't think we have to go very far. Again, I've been on, on if you have social media, I've been on your social media sites I, I see how friends respond. I see how the world is responding to us. But when we respond with grace, when we respond with love, when we treat others the way we want them to treat us, I'm telling you, there is some, I mean, there's something unique about that in today's culture. I don't intend to be all full of doom and gloom with this shift that our culture is experiencing right now. But I'm telling you, I think that we have seen a dramatic shift in our culture. The vitriolic hatred that we are seeing exhibited to one another, the shouting and the screaming, the accusations, the hatred that we are seeing in our culture, I think it's just the beginning. And I know that it seems like we are surrounded by darkness. But I want to remind you yet again in the words of that song, it may look like we're surrounded, but Lord, we are surrounded by you. And when we are able to live that ethic of love, when we are able to live that ethic of forgiveness, when we are able to live out our faith, you see, then I think people will be drawn into faith. I think gone are the days when an old bony-fingered preacher can stand up in a pulpit and shake that finger at others and tell people that they are a dirty, rotten sinner going to hell. I think those days are over. I think the way that people are coming into the kingdom is they are seeing a different way, a way of love. And that's what you and I are called to be and called to live by, this way of love. Would you bow with me? Oh Lord, your grace is sufficient. We cannot and will not do unto others as 
we would have them do unto us. We cannot and will not do that without your grace sustaining us, without your very spirit in our lives, and without your transforming forgiveness. Oh Lord, indeed we affirm today that you are a good God and you want good for us. Lord, help us. Help us to treat others and be to others and do unto others as we would want them to do unto us. Help us to treat others as you treat us with grace and love, not with hatred, not with spewing venom, but instead your grace and love. Empower us, O Lord. Help us to take this stand today. No more hatred. No more darkness. No more despair. Today, only grace, love, forgiveness. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.